The energy market continues to confirm the downturn recession prospects. The good news is, though, gasoline prices are down. The bad news, of course, is gasoline prices are down, or why they're down. They're down because oil prices are down, and so is demand. As we saw last week with the U.S. payroll report for October, increasingly it looks like the disinflation rebound that buoyed the economy in the middle part of this year has indeed run its course, leaving the global system exposed to the same recessionary problems that we have been talking about for quite some time. The disinflation didn't eliminate the recession, it elongated the cycle. And now more and more the signals are aligning, suggesting renewed harsh downturn. So we've got energy prices, we got the bond curves, we've got some macroeconomic data. Let's start with the good news, which is gasoline price. Let's take some good news here. According to AAA, the national average in the United States for regular gasoline today, just $3.40.8 or $3.41. That's down a penny from yesterday, down seven cents from a week ago, and down from $3.72.20 a month ago. So Retail gasoline prices down about 30 cents and they're likely to get much lower because as I've been pointing out since the wholesale gasoline price really drops precipitously late September and early October, retail gasoline prices lag behind wholesale. Now wholesale, those felt the wholesale price at the NYMEX that fell to around 216.50 early October. That was down substantially from really August and into September as demand really fell off for gasoline. That had rebounded to as high as 237.35, so it got back up a little bit. But ever since then, over the last couple of weeks, as we've seen more and more markets rolling over yet again, so gasoline prices down as of today, 218, 217. I've seen it as low as 217. So getting back to the same low spot that it had been in early part of October. In fact, we might even see a new more than year low in the next couple of days if it continues to move in this direction. And if that was the end of this video, that's all we had to talk about, that would be terrific. It would be great because that would mean lower gasoline prices, which helps everything in anyone. Except gasoline prices are falling in the U.S. because the economy is getting weak. And we can see that in oil prices, the main contributor to gasoline. As of today, oil prices, the United States, WTI, the U.S. benchmark for crude oil, that one fell below $80 for the first time since late August. As I'm speaking to you now, or just before I started recording, contract December 2023, $77.83, down pretty sharply today, explaining the gasoline sell-off. More importantly, though, not only are oil prices going down, and they have been dropping ever since September 27th when they hit a high of 93.68. So oil prices have been moving since this, moving lower since December 27th overall. Um, we got a little bit of a geopolitical premium with the arrival of the conflict in the Middle East, but even despite that, oil prices continue to move lower. Not quite the same dramatic fashion as gasoline, but again, geopolitical premium. But more importantly, as oil has been going lower, the futures curve has been flattening out absolutely dramatically. Monstrous amount of flattening from deeply, steeply backward dated at around September, September 27th to now we're within sight of talking about contango all over again on the WTI curve. As of today, as of just before I started recording, the one-month calendar spread, that is between this December 2023 contract 
and the January 2024, just 19 cents. The three-month calendar spread, 73 cents. These have narrowed a massive amount over the last several weeks. And what that means is backwardation is the condition in the futures curve, which rewards using more crude oil or whatever commodity in the current marketplace. So if there's a, a de supply-demand imbalance in favor of too much demand, not enough supply, as we've been experiencing all, all summer, really, since the Saudis cut production, you would expect the curve to get more and more steeply backward-dated, rewarding taking whatever crude you've got available. If you're a producer, you got spare crude, put that in the marketplace. If you've got crude stored up somewhere, take that out of storage and use it in the marketplace. So backwardation is a sign of imbalance between supply and demand in favor of too much demand, not enough supply. So despite the fact that we've had steep backwardation, despite the fact that Saudi Arabia and Russia in particular just announced that they're going to maintain their production cuts, we've seen this dramatic flattening in the curve anyway. Just a couple days ago, here's what those two oil producers said. Saudi Arabia and Russia reaffirmed that they will stick with oil supply curbs of more than a million barrels a day until the end of the year, even as turmoil in the Middle East royals global markets. The leaders of the OPEC Plus coalition announced the plans in separate official statements on Sunday. Riyadh has slashed daily produ crude production by a million barrels, and Moscow is curbing exports by 300,000 barrels, on top of earlier cuts made with fellow OPEC Plus nations. Saudi Arabia will review its production volumes next month and consider, quote, extending the cut, deepening the cut, or, not likely, increasing production, according to a statement on the, on the Saudi press agency. So the we have supply restrictions that continue throughout the rest of the year, which should be favoring more backwardation or maintaining at least some steep level of backwardation on the WTI futures curve. Instead, oil prices moving lower, backwardation almost disappearing. We're talking about contango again, which can only mean one thing. Well, two things, but one primarily. And that is the market is again concerned about demand. And it's no wonder why that's the case. We've been talking about, again, the disinflationary trend, but especially how the disinflation rebound, not disinflation itself, the disinflation rebound in the economy seems to have really stumbled September and especially October. So here we have energy prices focusing more on demand side, almost to contango now, as all the economic data and other market data corroborate the fact the economy seems to have rolled over and is now heading in a very bad way. So again, if we had stopped our conversation with gasoline prices, that would have been terrific. Unfortunately, the reason gasoline prices are going down is the same reason oil prices are going down, and that's because we are in extremely bad shape heading into the end of this year and the early part of next year. Last week's statistics from the Energy Information Administration, they'll update those tomorrow for this week. But the end of October, the usage and uh, amount of gasoline and petroleum supplied in the domestic use, U.S. economy, they back up and validate what we're seeing in energy prices. Specifically, gasoline supplied 
Now that that had been down sharply in September, which made sense given what gasoline wholesale gasoline prices did in response. They've come back a bit. Uh, gasoline supply, which is a proxy for the amount of gasoline used into the economy, not supplied into the economy, that has come back in October. But as you can see, it's still incredibly, incredibly weak, down around the same as last year, as well as 2020. So the same part of the seasonal calendar calendar as those two years. Not good comparisons. But I think the bigger one here is that petroleum supplied has gotten incredibly weak too. That was doing okay. The amount of gas, amount of petroleum in the economy was doing all right in the summertime during the disinflation rebound. But then, you know, it was same sort of transition. September and especially October, you see petroleum supplied begin to really slide and get weak. So where it had been along the same as 2021 at this point in the calendar, up until September, middle of September, now we're a little bit below the seasonal average for the last decade. So petroleum supplied use in the economy, that's getting weaker. Gasoline supplied demand for gasoline, that is already ridiculously weak. So it makes sense what energy prices are pricing and the WTI futures curve in particular, how it's being reshaped. But as we know, this is not strictly about demand for gasoline or demand for crude oil. It's demand in general. It's economic circumstances. And to, an agree, to a degree, also euro dollar and money liquidity characteristics too. But we'll save those for another video. Demand in the general economy, not just the U.S., but Europe, China, Asia, pretty much everywhere, which has gotten increasingly questionable. It's the same verdict that we continue to see in rates markets and government bond yields. The September effect, the September sell-off, which spilled over into October across the global bonds, more and more that appears to be over with as we've expected. Just to recap here, September effect means rates go up August, September, and part of October every single year, no matter what the conditions, no matter what the Fed is doing, no matter what anything is doing, Rates tend to go up, especially in September, often by a substantial amount. And then when they come out of the September effect, they go back into their fundamental pricing regime. And what had been interesting, and we pointed this out continuously over the last uh, couple months, the two-year spot on the curve, not just the U.S. Treasury curve, but also the German curve, that one did not participate all that much in the September effect this year, which was a warning sign that the global economy was indeed in danger of rolling itself out of the disinflation rebound into the recession that we continue to see validated all across these markets, including now long-term global bond rates and global bond yields. The Treasury curve, the 10-year hit its high on October 19th. That's when it was intraday above 5%. So since then, the 10-year has been moving modestly lower. We're at just under 460 as I'm speaking to you or just before I started recording. So 460 on the U.S. Treasury, 10-year, that means it's been down for a little bit over two weeks and counting. More and more, it looks like the end of the September effect, the end of the sell-off there. Uh, that's corroborated to a substantial degree by European interest rates, European bond market trading. I mentioned Germany. Germany's curve had peaked all the way back on October 4th. And that makes sense because not only is it sus is susceptible to the September effect, 
But the European economy is in much worse shape. It's further along in this disinflation rebound and the rolling over out of the disinflation rebound than the U.S. is. So it came out of the September effect earlier, which it tends to do in these seasonal patterns. And it started rolling down. Interest rates there started going lower before they started going lower here, which is not uncommon. European rates have tended to lead U.S. Treasuries. So for the German curve, we see rates going lower for now over a month, which is pretty compelling evidence out of September, out of the sell-off, back into fundamental pricing of an increasingly ugly situation. Going back to the U.S. Treasury curve, not only do we have the two-year, which has been uh, pretty alarming and pretty inter interesting in how it didn't participate in September effect and therefore what the fundamentals are, but also further up on the curve toward the front, which is over here, further up on the front of the curve, the spread between the three-month treasury and the six-month treasury bill. That one has started to become more inverted too. If we go back and look at that one, just like the two-year, you see the three-month, six-month spread um, that one had been inverted during the first stage of the banking crisis, March, April, and May. Then as the two years started to rise, the three-month, six-month spread uninverted for just a little bit in the later part of May, June, and most of July. But then like everything else that we've been seeing from interest rate swap spreads to, again, the two-year treasury, the three-month, six-month spread late July got back to inversion again. It was never much, just a couple basis points, but it has been inverted consistently along with the low, low nominal yield in the two-year treasury throughout August and September and October but then over the last week, the inversion between the three-month and six-month has become a little more noticeable to the point that yesterday it was nine basis points inverted, which is the most going back to May 12th, when we had just gotten the first the report that First Republic had failed. So not long after First Republic banking crisis, this spot on the curve is becoming more and more inverted. And what does that mean? That means that market participants are hedging more and more against possible negative outcomes, increasingly dangerous conditions in terms of the economy as well as the monetary system. But again, we'll get to that some another video. For example, go back to look at the three-month spread and how it behaved earlier. It was very consistent with the urgency and hedging during the banking crisis, the early part of the banking crisis. It's also been consistent throughout history as a measure of nervousness. Uh, the three-month is a particularly important part on the bench. It's a benchmark spot on the yield curve. The six-month a little bit further on. So there's some hedging appetite to go a little bit further into the uh, future, depending upon where the three-month treasury bill is at any given time. So if you're a little bit more nervous about the future, wherever the three-month is, you might want to hedge and buy more of the six-month bill, thinking that maybe interest rates will go down in the future. So it's, it's a measure of potential angst and risk perceptions about any, everything from money to macro. Again, going back to 2018, for example, the three-month, six-month spread really flattened out starting in early December of 2018, consistent with what we call the landmine. It inverted in early June of 2019, which was a little less than two months before the Fed finally did cut rates. So again, market picking up on those perceptions. Going back to 2007, the three-month, six-month spread that had flattened out with the rest of the curve in 2006, it inverted a little bit, which was a key warning 
February and early March of 2007, it uninverted before Ben Bernanke said subprime was contained. It steepened out later in 2007 with the arrival of the crisis because the three-month bill was doing wacky things, including big drops in the three-month bill. But then, crucially, just before Bear Stearns, the three-month, six-month spread inverted in January and February 2008. In the cycle before that, the three-month, six-month spread, that had flattened out in the summer of 2000, um, and then inverted in October of 2000, just a couple months before the dot-com recession would begin later on. It got heavier into inversion just as the dot-com recession was beginning. So between January and March of 2001, the official start of the dot-com recession was March 2001. We got much heavier inversion in the three-month, six-month spread too. So the three-month, six-month spread, key indication, hedging demand, Things not going well in the economy and monetary system, pay attention to that one. And like the two-year nominal treasury, that had been saying all summer, look out because the economy isn't strong. It isn't in anything more than a transitory upswing that when it turns to the downside again, as we're seeing in energy markets and global rates markets, it's not likely to look very good. So to recap, gasoline prices are falling. Hooray, that's terrific except gasoline prices are falling because oil prices are down and the global economy more and more looks to be, sadly, heading into the worst part of its recession. The global economy has been in recession since the fourth quarter of last year. Vari variations in intensity and degree and timing, all of those aside, it was not finished. It wasn't ended. It wasn't eliminated. The cycle was elongated by that detour into disinflation in the middle part of this year. And now more and more confirmation that we're, we're, we are indeed going to experience the last leg of the downturn, the most serious one, and the one that includes the labor market in it. So gasoline prices going lower, that's good. But the reasons why, not good. You want to look a little bit deeper into the September effect on the bond market, not just treasuries, the global bond market, check out the video link below me. As always, I thank you very much for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers, Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see over here. And until next time, take care.